John Xavier, I'd, I'd be so glad to see you if you weren't pointing something very dangerous at a good friend of mine. Uh, it's slow in the uptake, aren't we, Finevere? I'll uh, uh, stupidly uh, sidewalk towards that door. Did, how did things go? Good, good enough, let's go. Not, not great. My wife made me watch enough Korean dramas for me to know how this goes. I don't know. Finnevere keeps hemming and hawing in the mm, back. I feel like that's very fair. This this isn't an easy situation to be in. Birds of a feather flock together, so I'm sure the crows have to nest somewhere. Generally, you don't see many seekers in the city. I feel like if there was anyone in this world, Amali is the only one who could rival me and pure grump. Foundlings, and welcome back to another episode of The Gate Chronicles. This is Chronicle 1, Chapter 51. This is this is turning into a pretty long book, I gotta say. It's probably not gonna end at any, like any time soon, so there, there's gonna be like 100 chapters at the very least. Well, besides that, I am Emily. I am your Game Master and host for this series, this podcast, this episode, you know, all that kind of normal stuff. Actually, this chapter is more appropriate. But as always, I am joined around my table by my two very handsome masculine players with testosterone. And I'm just going to point to me, Quentin Ott. Uh, I play Charles Smoot, 57-year-old biology teacher born and raised in upstate New York who has always been looking for answers and looking for his family in more ways than one. This is the most different intro I've heard from Charles Smoot, 57-year-old biology teacher born and raised in upstate New York. Well, he always has a Currently. tagline at the end. <laughs> it's so different. It was just so much emotion. Uh, at this point, it's a meme. It needs to be a t-shirt. My name is Jaden, and I'll play Finnevere Avir, also known as Finicus Asher. He is a bard uh, looking for his family and uh, an aspiring merchant. How coincidental that your new name has the same initials as your other name. So coincidental. Hey, uh, uh, Finn, I don't know if you noticed, but we are flat broke. It turns out that being a seeker does not pay well. I don't know, like, we're supposed to get these stipends or subsidies or whatever, but I, I don't know what it is, but I can barely afford to put food on the table. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. Well, we need more, more money for, you know, the special props and effects and magic items. But I have an idea. Yeah, yeah, please. I, I, I could really use a bigger sword. All right. Imagine this. I call it Patreon. So what if there were a bunch of curious and invested listeners out there in the void? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they could get early releases of our episodes. Sure. The like tales that. of our adventures. Yeah, we could definitely do that. They could see secret sites of GM notes and uh, listen to bloopers and bonus content. Uh, hey, Mr. Finnevere, what's a GM note? Oh, uh... I don't know, but we'll figure that out. <laughs> I'm sure it'll all make sense to them. And all they have to do is go to patreon.com. Uh, I'm being handed a, a slip of paper here, which has a long string of letters. It's bit.ly forward slash support MRPF, I, I, I think. It looks like there's multiple tiers, and you get things depending on which one you subscribe to. 
And this was Missing Role Player Found, brought to you by water. That beautiful beverage that keeps your throat nice and moist so you can talk beautifully on podcast. Just to be clear, we are not sponsored by water. (laughs) So, as my players were stating earlier before I actually wrote down the recap for this episode, um, the potential for the game-ending tragedy was dangerously close last episode. And with emotional farewells and desperate attempts to resolve those unfavorable situations, will our players manage to achieve their goals? Probably not. Will their characters? Also probably not. Let's just be honest. I'm a chaotic GM at times, and, you know, where the dice go, I I don't always follow. That's not really chaos, but yeah. I love how much faith you have in us. <laughs> uh, let's actually get started. So... Charles Smoot. Oh, I want you to know I called this music ambiance. Nothing has happened yet. Yeah, it very much sounds like something's about to happen. I don't like the sound of it. Oh, no, I, this was just for setting the mood and like the tone. There legions of Red Guard outside the gates? What's oh, happening? No, 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 no. Okay, so I, I can describe... Do they have the entire military force and cannons? Okay, well, we're at this point. Charles Smoot, you left early in the morning, probably right before the crack of dawn, to go out and observe the Red Guard, which you know have been encamped outside of the city walls. You're not exactly sure where or how far you'll have to go, but making your way down through the city, you are able to pass through the gates without much difficulty. The guards there, they make note of you. You essentially have to show your badge. They scoff at you with disdain for, well, your association or affiliation with the crows, as they usually refer to them as. And you begin making your way out of the city gates. But fortunately for you, the Red Guard encampment is in plain view from the gates. It looks like it's about a mile away, though, so it's going to take you some time to get there. So go ahead and roll your perception check, and um, I'll tell you what you see. Uh, 19 for Charles Smoot. Okay. As you're walking outside of the city gate, following along the main path, you see that this road is being traveled quite heavily today. There are platoons of, or small platoons of Rayland Guard, which are making what appears to be exercise runs outside of the city through this Piedmont of an area. And you also see there are wagons traveling to and from the direction that you're heading in. You see there are children off to the side playing in a small puddle of mud, and they're having a grand old time. And you get nearer to this encampment of the Red Guard, and you can see their red tents set up in this green veil of sorts. But you can tell that they seem to be beginning to pack up camp. While at this point in the morning, they're also starting to make their meal for the day. How close would you get to this encampment? Is it all flatland or because we're in mountains? Are there like hills and cliffs? So actually the area surrounding a mountain is called a pied mount or the foothills. There are hills around here and you might be able to find a place that you could observe from at a distance. But you can definitely see that the Red Guard are kind of like keeping an eye out for people that are walking by them. They they seem to be on a sort of high alert. Yeah, I definitely want to gauge the magnitude of the encampment uh, before I even decide if I want to approach. So I'm going to attempt to 
stealth up onto one of these foothills to get a better look, try and gauge how many individuals they are and what their mode of transportation is. Do they have like wagons? Are they all riding totas? Okay, so do me a favor and please roll your stealth. Oh yeah, very very good. Um, eight. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, well, you know, this will be fun. So you sort of nonchalantly begin making your way up a nearby hill. Mm-hmm. And you go off the beaten path a little bit, walking past the group of children who then kind of look at you. You're a very large man, and these are very small children. They look no older than the age about five or six. They do seem to be unattended, though, strangely enough. But they seem to just stare at you as you walk by and then go back to playing. It seems that their attention is the only one that you have drawn thus far. So... How far away would you go from this encampment? Like, just to get a good good look. Overall, again, there is a lot of traffic on this main road, so it does seem that even though you aren't purposefully, like, doing your best at stealthing, it seems that you might go unnoticed for a good bit if you're a short distance away. I mean, yeah, sure, I'll just attempt to blend into the crowd and get as close as I can while being... I'm inconspicuous, trying to get a rough estimate of how many individuals comprise the Red Guard encampment. You are there for about four minutes, and you're able to ascertain there seems to be about 16 Red Guard stationed outside of the city. And from what you could remember, it seemed that you might have noticed that there were maybe about five, maybe six, when you were up at the castle, but you're not sure if there were more than that. In addition, it seems that there are two wagons and enough Aquinthians for at least half of the people to ride. Um, but it also seems that a good number of them must also walk at times. They may be switched out. You can see that they are in the very early stages of packing up their camp. Uh, and as you are kind of working your way to blend in through the crowd, I need you to roll another stealth check. Eight. Again. Very talented. Did you That's the second time I've rolled a one on these guys. Charles Smith's very impressive. He's hilariously unstealthy, but incredibly lucky. That sounds like Smoot. You manage to pass behind a wagon, and I'll change your direction a little bit, getting more of a view of the encampment, and you actually make note of a man that seems to be more well-decorated than the other Red Guard. He appears to have a very well-maintained mustache and dark brown hair. And you can see that nearby him is a perch, and there seems to be a large, and by large, I'm not talking like Pathfinder standards, but large for a bird, this predatory-looking type of bird with black feathers and some red tips on the feathers as well. You can see there's a scroll tube on the side. It's very small, but this large bird seems to have carried it because you can see the attachment to it is still kind of hanging off of its leg. I need you to roll another stealth, please. Oh, oh yeah, by the way, are, are we considered to be in the mountains? You uh, are. Like mountainous terrain? Mountain hills, yes. Ooh, very exciting. So I should actually be not subtracting one. I should be adding one to my stealth because I am in my favored terrain, um, which is giving me a plus two to combat my negative one dexterity modifier, uh, giving me a total of 19 on that stealth check. 
That's actually really good. Yeah. yeah. Um, roll a perception check for me, please. Oh, significantly better skill that I'm going to roll hilariously bad at. It's, it's a good number. It's a, it's my favorite one. I really love nines tonight. Um, a total of 15 for Charles Smith. Oh, wait. I'm in my favorite terrain. A total 17 for Charles Smith's perception. Nice. So, from where you're standing, you can see that this man becomes slightly frustrated after reading the note. He kind of crumples it up and uh, tosses it to the side, and it tumbles on the ground and goes a few feet away from him, though it does seem that it is still slightly within the encampment area. But you can make out as he sort of grumbles aloud and he starts, like, walking by the area that you're at, and he says some things that really do catch your attention. Make accommodations, he says. Additional passengers, he says. How does he expect me to feed this escort and now two additional passengers? Our supplies are already stretched, and these damn Relundians are hardly hospitable enough to offer reasonable supplies. Just reaching the border of what we have obtained will be difficult. He seems to walk over to another guard, and he lets out all of his emotions towards him. Just reaching the border with what we have alone will be difficult. He then slams his helmet on a nearby table. Damn the highborns, and damn the bishop! You see as one of the guards sort of nods a little bit in acknowledgement. But it's hard to tell if there's any other emotion to it due to the helmet that he currently has on his face. Um, so while he's um, doing that and waxing poetic in his dramatic monologue, uh, is there any <gasps> way that I could, like, tiptoe with my absolutely massive giant feet into the encampment and grab that crumpled moat. Okay, so if you're going to attempt to make your way into the encampment, that would be a new stealth. Yeah, 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 that, that's fine. My my rolls are historically phenomenal uh, when they need to be. Uh, well, they need to be. Yeah, they do. Um, so six. <laughs> How's your luck? How is my luck? Um, Yeah, I don't know why your rolls are so bad. Uh, I've only rolled once above a 10. <laughs> It's really bad. My rolls. Oh man, I'm gonna have to get you like a thing for uh, this. Gonna, this. This dies banned. I have another d20. It's fine. As you step towards the encampment, you approach a little bit closer, though it does seem that one of the guards who is walking around and patrolling this area notices you and he approaches over in your direction. How close might have come put up paper? You're 30 feet away. Can I walk towards the paper and simultaneously walk away from him? Yes, but you'd be walking further into the encampment to do so. I'm just gonna like whistle and stare up and look around, but like walk towards the paper. Like I don't notice anything happening. So that's a bluff. I don't have anything in that either. Uh, but I did roll well. Uh, it's a total 15 for Charles Smooth. Okay. The guard seems to approach over to you quickly and begins actually um, making a quick run at you. And he says, Holt, what are you doing? Oh, wow. This is just an absolutely beautiful encampment you have here. I was just admiring. Heard the laws and orders by your own captain. You are not my, to be my, in my this captain? area. Who, who? By your city's captain. City? So what city? He uh, oh, are you talking about rail? Oh, I'm not a what? I'm a traveler. <sighs> Damn these travelers. All right. You're not permitted to be here. Make yourself scarce. Now. Well, uh, 
I mean, is there a sh- where, where's the sign-up sheet? What? I, I mean, are, are you guys not recruiting actively? I, I heard that, like, I, I was in the taverns the other day, and I heard there was an absolutely amazing speech given. Bluff. Uh, 17 for Charles Smoot. It's about as good as he could do. <laughs> it's pretty good. Unfortunately, I'm oh. rolling hot tonight. No! This is the one time I rolled well! <laughs> I'm so sorry. You rolled an 18. Very nice. Um, he scoffs. <laughs> what kind of joke is this? Make yourself scarce before I need to use force. And I'm sure since you're a traveler, they won't mind very much. I don't think you really want to start any commotion anywhere near the, the city. That probably would not bode well. Um, that's perfectly fine. If you don't want new recruits, that that's fine by you. He looks you up and down and scoffs. <laughs> Your jokes are funny, old man. But move along. I may be old, but that doesn't mean I couldn't best you if need be. He raises his weapon, which looks familiar to you and what you've seen them carry before. It does seem to be shaped almost like a gun of sorts. Guns are historically bad. This is phenomenal. I just easily box it. Um, Are there any other guards nearby? There are. How many and how close? I'm assuming we've drawn some attention at this point for the conversation. You are starting to draw attention. How close am I to the paper that's on the ground? You have gotten five feet closer. So only five feet? Wow. Does Smoot still think that you can just beat people up for superiority? Oh, absolutely. Maybe that does work in, in uh, Red Guard culture. Maybe it we'll does. We'll find out. We, we might, might find out today. Okay. Um, so there appears to be one other guard that is making his way over, and he is currently actually putting on his own helmet and adjusting um, his armor when he notices this commotion going on and he begins making his way over. The one guard that was already addressing you walks up to you and he actually starts to try and shove you back away from the encampment. Oh, wow. I mean, if this is how you treat people. Maybe I don't want to join the Red Guard. I'll be sure to tell everyone about the back of the tavern about this. And then Charles Smith will just start indignantly walking away. I like how you keep with the lie. It's great. You never double back on a lie. You have to stick with it, even if they don't believe you. You begin walking away, and you can see the other guard walks over to him, and they seem to be discussing amongst themselves. One guard just kind of shrugs and shakes his head. Damn these high ones. Thanks. A great plan. It's okay. That was one of many plans. Plans within plans within plans. Um, with that being said, I guess the only thing that Charles Moot would have left to do at this juncture would be attempt to see if he can catch Valen before he has an audience with the king. Okay. Uh, to inform him of the new information which he just garnered. <sighs> okay, wait a minute. Hmm. Are those two guards still staring at me? They moved on after you started walking away and seemed to make your own peace. And Okay, that's good, that's good. Um, and that paper's still on the ground? How far away am I? You're far away now. At some point, there seems to be an Aquinthian. It stamps on it. Oh, and it's stuck to its hoof as it starts oh, walking. No, where is this? I follow this horse. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. And Quinthian has hooves? Yeah, they do. Hooves. They actually, their hooves can split apart and they become webbed. Oh, um, where, that's where, pretty cool. Where is this Aquinthian with my documentation that I need? It is walking further into the encampment. I see that you're If you evil. want loot, you could also go in there. I'm just letting you know. There's really cool loot in there. <laughs> <laughs> There's also 16 red guards in there. There, there, there are. You just got to risk it for the biscuit. 
okay, he rolled really poor, like really well. Well, you mean? Yeah. Um, I um, can I sneak around to another side of the encampment, closer to where the Aquinthian is? Why don't you? You could disguise yourself as what? A midget. Uh, a midget. <laughs> what? Walk on my knees, make myself a double amputee real quick. Yeah, let me just roll my negative one in disguise for that. Uh huh. Okay. Oh uh, yeah. So is the Aquinthian in the center of the encampment? They're starting to lead it around the side of the encampment towards the back where you see one of the wagons, which is being uh, loaded up currently. Yeah, I'll just make my way over there, then. Okay. All right. So you begin making your way over there. And as you do this, you need to roll another stealth if you're trying to be sneaky about it. How many people are over there? Oh, God. Yeah, I'm going to ask all the hard questions. You didn't think you needed a battle map and tokens for this, did you? I mean, no, I didn't. I didn't think you would be this. I didn't think your rolls would be that bad. I can't help you. My rolls are hot flaming garbage. What are you talking about? There are currently three Red Guard back there um, loading some boxes onto one of the wagons. So they're busy and somewhat distracted. Yeah, I'll, I'll roll stealth for now until I get spotted and then go with my standard line. Always stick to the story, kids. It's going to be a 15 for Charles Smooth stealth. Okay. As they are busy in the strand. As you begin making your way over and sort of sneaking towards the camp, blending in with the crowds that are passing by, roll a perception check for me. That's going to be a total 17 for Charles Smoot. It's the fifth time I've rolled a nine tonight. Nine, 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 nine. nine. You catch sight of what appears to be a very well-dressed Raylundian guard making his way up the road towards the encampment, there appears to be a wagon pulled behind him and two other guards that are following after. Probably be very good or very bad. Well, I mean, you could attempt to identify what type of guard this is. With well, it's true, track. based off of the you armor. Were, yeah, and you, you were in the military. You learned a little bit about this. Would you like to make knowledge local check? You don't have to be trained to do that, do you? Yeah, you do. I'm I don't have knowledge local. Uh, I was going to say that uh, if your character had been in the military, you, you at least, I will allow you to roll it. Sure. This is a very special circumstance. Yeah, sure. Um, a, a grand total of six. You're not sure. Th- though it does seem relatively familiar, and you can't quite place your finger on where you've seen that armor. Can I tell if it's similar to the armor I wore last night? You think... You're not exactly sure. It, it's very possible. But honestly, it was dark. True. And you kind of got dressed hastily. So didn't you, care. you barely paid any attention, especially because it didn't have a feathered helmet. didn't have the blue feather. And and helmet. this one does. Has, has no! <laughs> I've got to punch him in the face. That is my new goal. I don't need this documentation. I don't need any loot in here. I need to punch that man in the face and take his hat. Before you reach to this wagon, you notice as this guard approaches up and several of the red guards seem wary of this circumstance, but this well-dressed red guard with a mustache approaches and you can kind of hear the exchange that takes place from where you are. Since the encampment isn't very large, it's only housing about 16 people. But you hear as a steady, hushed tone emanates from under the helm of this guard, whose blue and white garb is clashing next to the black and red armor of the red guard. 
As you requested, the captain is generously deemed to accept the bishop's offer. And as a token of his friendship, he offers this gift, and hopes the bishop will reflect positively on his experience here when he speaks with the king. This man, this redguard, warily eyes the parcel that is offered to him before he receives it, and then you can see this he cautiously unwraps it a little bit. You can't see his face from where you are, but you can tell that he is taking a long pause as he seems to observe it. And then he wraps the cloth back over it, and you can see as he nods in acknowledgement. The bishop will be pleased by this humble offering. Excellent. But please relate to your bishop that he will need to uphold his end of the bargain. And then this Raylund guard waves on the wagon, and you can see as three crates are then unloaded and handed over to the red guard. I also heard you had some difficulty obtaining additional rations from the city's guard. This should ensure your supplies are at least able to see you to the border. The brief exchange ends soon after, and this guard departs with the others and makes his way back towards the city. While this is going down, can I attempt to roll a handle animal check to call the Aquinthian with the documentation? stuck to it. Over to me. Sure. You can attempt to do so. Do not fail me now. But you I... can also... It, it, it is good, though, because you can tell that the Red Guard very distracted are by very this. distracted, yeah. and they actually sort of turn their attention and walk towards oh, this so to encounter. I saw that. It was so close to a crit. It really teetered on it. Thankfully, that it's still a 16. And I believe most DCs are only 15, so I might be good. You find an apple that is placed nearby, and you grab it, and you kind of, like offered out to the Aquinthian that you have been keeping an eye on and turns towards you. Its reins are loose and it sort of turns its head and starts making its way towards you. Each step, a solid thud in the ground. That's a good snake horse. Ah, uh, yeah. Uh, you're still so strange. Uh, here, let me get that off your foot. Uh, is the documentation still there? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. You, you, you do see on the back right hoof there is a piece of this parchment. Um, you see that this parchment is underneath of its hoof. It is very muddy now and has fecal matter on it from... That's fine. You can always horses. clean that off. Um, yeah. yeah, I give the Aquinthian the apple and attempt to get this documentation. It's a very strange experience seeing this horse that has a snake-like tongue, but also regular horse teeth, except there's like a slit in the front for the Ugh. tongue to come out. I don't like that at all. And it chomps down on this apple, although you see as part of it dribbles out through the front, since there are no teeth there to sort of keep it inside. Ugh. All right, well, I pocket the documentation. Okay. Carefully, I don't crumple it, and I make sure that it's intact and not entirely destroyed. Okay, well, you do so. It makes a sound as you put it in your pocket. Okay. Um, And then uh, I kind of want to loot the room. <laughs> I tr I failed with one guard saying I want to enlist. That doesn't mean I'll fail with every guard saying I want to enlist. Okay. You seem to have a little bit of time as the guards that were loading up this wagon from earlier were actually the ones to receive the crates and they are sort of hefting them. And one of them seems to be struggling a lot with a crate in particular and he actually seems to have to get help to lift it. 
Can I take a peek in this crate? Uh, into the wagon that I'm standing next to? Yes. Not not into the crate that he's trying to lift. That would be too forward. Sure. Go ahead and roll a perception check. A total of? Total of nine. I won't find anything that is being intentionally concealed. Yeah. Well, trust me, you're okay. I would, it's really just dependent on what the extra thing you could have found. Um, you begin lifting up the cloth drape that is covering part of this wagon. And you can see here, it does seem to be uh, mostly rations and supplies. There seems to be feed for Quinthians and the rations for the people, at least in this wagon. You know that there is a second one. Where? It is on the other side. So where you are right now, there seems to be a tent to your mm-hmm. left. Mm-hmm. This first wagon is to your right. And the other wagon, there seems to be a good five foot, six foot space between you and this other wagon on the other side. Can I walk around the... Uh, are there people currently loading that wagon then? Not right now. It seems that people are currently taking down other tents um, around the encampment. I'll attempt to walk around the outskirts of the encampment, going, dipping behind the tents, using them as some form of partial cover to make my way around to the other side of the encampment and inspect that wagon. Sure. Go ahead. Roll a perception check. Stealth first? Stealth. And then perception. You're right. I'm sorry. We should be good on the stealth with an 18. Oh, yeah. But I can't see with a 11. No, you can see. You can see stuff. As you are making your way towards this wagon, you see that there is a table nearby and somewhat haphazardly placed, there are several objects. And with your experience as a seeker, you get this inclination and you're like, wait a second, aren't those... Relics. Relics, indeed. How many in close proximity to one another? It seems there are four. Four? They want to explode? Are they kept in any form of container? No. Yo, I feel like I just throw all of my relics in my bag at that table and make a bomb go off, right? I really hope they're doing it out of idiocy and not out of genius. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? They found something out that we don't know. Um, is anyone near this table right now? Not currently. Yama yeah, just... You, you, you can't dangle a piece of candy in front of a small child. Like, I'm going to try and dump all this in my bag, right? <laughs> you can try, but Absolutely. we'll see how much time you have. So, you're going to need to sleight of hand to take these things. As you see, some of them are a little bit larger than a small pocketable thing. Mm -hmm. One of them appears to be a a shield of sorts. I need that, though. Another one looks kind of like a wristwatch. Oh, I already have a watch. And this other one, it appears to be... I have no idea. Hold on one second. Let me check my notes. I already have relics on me, though. Wait, no, I don't. What do you... What could you possibly have? I had I had the lantern that I got of Calm Emotions that works on animals previously, but I used that in the rabbit fight. Additionally, you see this one that it's about three inches long. It's like a crystal uh, of sorts that seems to have glittering points of light on it. And it's set almost like it's in a pendant. Yeah, we're going to try and pocket that because that sounds pocketable. And then you see another one that's very familiar. It 
Looks like another one of your lamps. Another harmony lamp, potentially? Nah, nah that's fine. Okay. We don't care about that. Okay, so you take the, the necklace one. I'll try and pocket the pendant and then just, you know, like, nonchalantly walk off with the shield. Okay, so I'm going to say you're going to need to roll a sleight of hand. Okay. Good roll, bad stat. Um, total 16. Okay. You are able to quickly and easily take this pendant-like one. Roll another sleight of hand. <gasps> Add another one. I only rolled well once. Oh, no, apparently I'm fine. 18 for the second one. You slide this shield out from uh, underneath of the wristwatch one without much difficulty. You see, though, as you lift it up and you hold it, you you swore that the front side of it was metal, but it looks like the back side is completely transparent and you can see directly through it. In fact, you can see the red guard around the area and it seems to almost highlight over them and then points to an area on their body as if indicating where, where you can hit. Their vitals are. This is called the analyzing shield. <laughs> it says the shield is made of a transparent material as hard as metal. You can see through it and it has a display that automatically analyzes targets you view through it and indicates the best place for you to strike them. You can use your move action to add your intelligence bonus to a melee attack roll against a target you can see through the shield. Oh boy, I can add my plus one? It's really good for some people, okay? That's true. But it takes a move action to be yep, able yep. to use it. Okay. Uh, with this, I will um, skirt, skit, and skedaddle. I will let you know, um, just to make this easier... The necklace one is called the Quantium Backtracker. The three-inch crystal pod is filled with glittering points of light and is set as the central piece in an amulet. It can be activated as an immediate action and you can move one round back in time, allowing you to relive the round and even change what action you took. This is a one-time use only. Meanwhile, the shield is multi-use, but it has a depletion of one in a d20. When you use it that day, you have to roll. If you roll a one, that is its last use. Mm, okay, so crit fail equals shatter. Got it. Yes. Cool, cool. Okay, sounds good. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm out of here. I'm just going to try and fade in with the crowd. And I'm going to hustle uh, my way up to the castle. Or rather to the Grey's estate to see if I can catch Valen before his audience with the king. Okay, um, so you... Need to roll a stealth check to get out of there. I think you're fine. You think so? I do. A ten's good. I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, Charles Smoot, somehow you large man, as large as you are, you managed to catch another wagon going by the encampment, and you slip behind it expertly, walking your way back towards the city. Finnevere, you are making your way out of the city in the wagon currently. You actually have Lassic in the carriage with you again, who seems to be your babysitter of sorts for this time being. Oh, my bestest of friends. <laughs> your bestest of friends, Lassic, who doesn't seem very pleased by the situation, but at least he's getting paid. Is it is it Vlasic or Lassic? It's Vlasic with a V. Your carriage arrives at your destination towards the manor about 20 minutes of travel. You are staring out through the bars, and actually at one point you swear you drove by the Red Guard encampment. It looked like it was almost completely packed up. And Charles Smoot, by the time you had left, it was 
getting pretty close to being fully done. Finnevere, your carriage pulls up to the front of the estate, and, well, through the barred windows of your carriage, you can actually see that there is a line of people awaiting you outside, and your grandfather's among them, standing wriggly in the center atop the stoop with another well-dressed woman who has brown hair, and she's relatively close to him. And then a man who reminds you somewhat of the Grey's butler approaches quickly to the carriage and opens the door with a flourish, and he bows slightly at the waist. Master Finicus, he gestures openly, as if inviting you to step out of the carriage. Finnevere uh, will take this moment to really try to fill the role that seems expected here. Okay. He'll stand proud, and he'll, uh, he'll come forward. All right. So, Finnicus, as you are beginning to step out of the carriage, you hear the sound of bells off in the distance, faint and slightly sweet to your ears. This moment is quite exciting for you. How is you feeling overall, though? Uh, excited. A bit uneasy. A lot uneasy. A lot of change. A lot of mystery of the unknown. But also... It seems like everything that he's ever wanted is right in front of him, and he is going to do everything he can to take it. Your grandfather smiles from where he is, and he gestures for you to come closer, and says, Welcome, Finicus, to your home. He gestures to the people around him, in front of the woman, and these are your servants in the house. But, of course, as promised, your mother. Gesturing to the woman who currently holds a handkerchief in her hands, and she holds it to her chest. Does Finn have any level of recognition of the face? No. She quickly approaches down the steps towards you, opens her arms up, and rushes to give you a hug. Oh, Finnegas! She wraps her arms around you, and you can see that she has tears in her eyes. And you can also roll a perception check as you take in the visage of your mother. That's a 21. Finnevere, you can see that this woman, your mother, Lysandra, she is decadently dressed, and she seems to be a woman of very high taste. She wears long, beautiful earrings. Her hair is neatly tied up in a bun. She wears a beautiful reddish lipstick, and her skin is very fair. But interestingly, as you are sort of looking her over, you actually catch a very interesting sight, and you can actually see that her fingernails seem to be a little bit dirty. And she pulls back from your embrace and looks you in the eyes with tears resting on the corners. You know, I've been looking for you. I've waited so long. <laughs> Tried so hard and gotten so far. Let's let's make our way inside so we can catch up. Yes, let's. Welcome home, Finnegis. And she releases you from her embrace. And she turns and begins making her way towards the inside. Meanwhile, you see as many of the serving staff are still sort of bowing towards your uh, direction. Baron Asher waits for you at the top of the stairs. And as your mother passes by him, he looks towards you. Benavir is wholly appreciative of the moment. He still wonders about who he 
always imagined was his mother <laughs> is happy to meet who he's being told is his mother. <laughs> <laughs> so he would come up the steps, putting a face of happiness and attempting composure to try to be that confident, proud heir that's needed here. He's looking to try to fill that role. Okay. As you begin making your way up the steps, you actually notice that Vlasic is very close behind you, following after. And he does seem to wait for the Baron to go in before he follows. But the Baron moves in and walks up behind you, and as you enter into the building, you take once again in the sights, but this time in a less, well, distressed manner. You're able to view the inside of this building, and you can see that at the front entrance, there's a set of stairs that meet in the center, but they branch off into two separate wings on the second floor. Underneath, there seems to be a passage that leads directly into a sitting room on the left. And directly to your right, as you turn, you see there is a large study, which is slowly closed by a maid servant who seems to be dusting, and they close the door to uh, finish what they're doing inside. To the left, you can see a lovely dining area. These are the main sites that you take in, other than the bust at the front of the room. Towards the bottom of the steps, a little bit to the left, uh, it appears to be of your grandfather. And as you're making your way around the building, getting a short tour, you see there are busts of many different ashers, which your grandfather points out. I was going to say, is, is there a bust of my father? Uh... No, there is not. There seems to be an empty stand where your father's bust should be, based on the order of the descendants. Alright, uh, so he'll, he'll definitely take in the sights, but uh, he's eager for questions, so I guess we'll sit down somewhere for tea? Or is there stuff in between? Or Did you, you brought your big backpack with you? Yeah, I guess he would. He would, he would try not to leave anything behind, so I did say he grabbed it. Okay. Your grandfather looks at you after getting through most of the door. Hmm. I suppose that we should have you go and put those things in your room. All right. So, he gestures, and you see as the butler comes over, he bows. Master Finnegus, I shall show you to your room. Follow after me, please. Was I told his name yet? No. And what is your name? You hear as the Baron clears his throat. An Asher should not concern himself with the identity of the lower class. Then how should one address? The butler reaches into his pocket and he hands you a bell. Uh, Finnevere will pocket it. As he is leading you through the manor up the stairs, down the rightmost hall, the rightmost wing of the building. (laughs) Yes, young master. It is expected that you would have such questions. But the Baron is very particular about these things. You would do well to remember them. He is very particular about decorum. I guess I'll have to be a quick learner. He chuckles at that. And then he sort of responds. But of course, a prestigious butler such as myself knows when he is being called, even if my name is not used. There's not much much to say. He knows my name. I can't use his. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, how long have you served the 
At your estate. Oh, let's see. Over 30 years now. Am I, uh... Do I think this conversation could be heard, like, from where we started? Well, you know that Vlasic is still following you. Oh, yeah, yeah, that would do it. <laughs> he seems to be following you wherever you go in this building. I know it sounds creepy, but honestly, I find it comforting as I'm kind of an asset and he seems kind of strong, so I don't mind it at all. <laughs> you are finally led to your room. It is near the far end of the house, and the door opens up into a very large room. There is a big bed there, very fluffy and appears to be quite new. You have a large window that seems to overlook a back field, and you see orchards that seem to travel for miles. You have a large wardrobe and a chest of drawers to store your things, as well as a sturdy chest at the foot of the bed. Your butler gives you a look and sort of gestures for you to go inside. All right. Uh, he'll take a look around and kind of bring it all in. Hmm. You know, my last room wasn't quite so accommodating. Yes, uh, of course. But if there's anything in this room that is not to your liking, Master Finicus, please let us know. Ah, before I forget, he rings a small bell from his pocket. And you see, as a young woman seems to appear from a back room that you didn't really notice before, but it seems like it's a secret door that opens and she comes out. She has short reddish hair that is very curly, big eyes that are very green and freckles all over her face. This is your personal maidservant. She will attend to your every need. But of course, knowing her name might be more useful than mine. I give an eyebrow to uh, a Vlasic and then uh, he'll turn to mm -hmm. the maid. Vlasic is outside of the room, uh, but as you give him that look, he sort of just rolls his eyes and shakes his head as he's leaning up against the wall. So uh, yeah. the yeah. butler actually closes the door and leaves you in your room. Good day, Master Finicus. Well, it seems you know my name, but I'm not yours. But of course, I am Tuli, sir. Tell me, Tuli, what is it that you do? What are you well acquainted with? Well, I am your maidservant, sir. If you should like, I can draw your bath. I can wash your clothes, sew you things, and tidy up. I would like that very much. Um, Which one? All of those things <laughs> in that order. All right. Uh, I will require an end table for the bed. And I need it to be remembered. Whatever I put on the end table is not to be touched in any way for any reason. Well, Master Finicus, I shall put in an order for a new end table. I appreciate that. So you would like me to draw you the bath then? Yes, please. She nods and starts to bow out and goes towards the secret door. Yeah. As the words leave uh, Finnevere's lips, he's like, that's not what the Baron would say. How would he, how would he think if I were telling everyone, please? Hmm. This is a test. By being tested, all these things run through his head as he sees that the way he did things may not work here. 
before she exits through this door, she sort of pauses and is a little hesitant. And she slightly turns, but she keeps her face towards the wall. Master Finicius, no matter what happens here, you will always have a friend in me. And she then goes through this secret door and it closes behind her, sealing almost perfectly into the wall that you would not be able to spot it if you had not been in this room. Am I able to identify how that door was opened in the first place? You could roll a knowledge engineering if you were able to. Uh, yeah, I'll give it a shot. Interviewer is kind of a jack of all trades, so that's a 13. You are not able to discern how she opened it. She must be very skilled because you were not able to catch anything that she did to open this. But you have an inkling that maybe it only opens from one direction. Alright. Well, in that case, I think Finnevere or Finicus, should I say, <laughs> um, will start packing away his things as he shouldn't need to carry around a backpack for the foreseeable future. Alright. So, Finnevere, just about by the time you finish with your packing, you hear as there is a knock from the secret door. Come in. This door opens slightly. Master Finicus, I have drawn your bath. Oblige. Where to? She turns her head and nods towards a door that is just to the side of your chest of drawers. So it's attached to the bedroom? Yes. Alright, uh, he'll go in. And you hear as the secret door seems to close as you go into the other room. You enter into this space and you see that there is a hot bath that has been drawn for you. There are a few towels and other things around the room, soaps, and everything has been prepared for you. There's no one else in here, right? That you know of. Oh, you could that, roll a perception oh, yeah. check if you're concerned. Oh yeah, no. What? Yeah, he, he definitely would be. He's not shy... Anyway, that is a 17. Okay. So, Finnevere, you see that there is another one of those types of doors on the side. As you walk in, it's to the right, but it's just at the head of the tub, maybe further towards the back. It does not seem to be open, but that seems to be the only other entrance that is in this room. You do see that there is a a lavatory and the latrine is in here as well. Alright. Well, I suppose Finn would disrobe and he would take out Isabel. Hmm. As this seems to be a trend. And he'll I guess look at her face for approval. Whether she seems happy. She seems to be a doll. Seems to be a doll. Oh, not happy yet. or or angry. Just indifferent she today? Has, she has her neutral doll smile the smile that has been there for most of the time which occasionally morphs into a frown somehow well he'll set Isabel to the side close and he'll wash up at at some point he'll just after the effective washing is done he'll just kind of sit there in the hot water and contemplate meditate right. and talk a little bit out loud this is all I've ever wanted all my life training to use magic training my merchanting skills spread my name garner the attention of my family 
And it worked, more or less. <sighs> what would it say? Benavir, that's a stupid idea. If they were looking for you, they would have found you already. Uh, now, are you ever going to pay rent or not? Benavir says like in the tub and is playing in the tub with the dog. <laughs> I don't know. I Isabel is now my therapist. So, after uh, an introspective monologue, he'll get his guff up. You know, I guess the, the robe himself. I guess there's no robe. He said there were towels. He'd dry himself off. Mm -hmm. And uh, he would address his wardrobe. I don't know who's supposed to dress who in this in this world. He'll dress himself. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll step on toes until I'm told that I'm stepping on toes. All right. So uh, he'll try to find something that fits, uh, like uh, thematically. Okay. So you leave your clothes in the bathroom, or do you take them with you? Like, where are you getting changed? I'm just trying to because there's oh, two different locations. Oh, sorry. Um, he'll leave the bathroom. And okay. Go to his... So as you leave the bathroom and walk into your room, you see the Tuli is there waiting. <clears throat> All right. Yeah, Finn's in a towel, at least. Done with your bath, Master Finnegus. Uh, yes, it was lovely. Oh, I... Just a moment. And he goes back and grabs Isabel. Can't forget her. Okay, well, Finnegus, as you enter back into your room carrying the doll with you, suddenly the door to your room bursts open. Okay. And you see as your grandfather storms in... And there seems to be a myriad of uh, servants waiting outside. He seems very frustrated and angry. I see you like to surround yourself with animals, Finicus. Well, no more. He walks over to your bed. Where is your Seeker's emblem? Uh, I guess it would just be in one of the chests. Okay. He begins to tear your room apart. You certainly know how to pick them, like your father. And there's this chiding rage that dances on his features as he speaks, and he exhales heavily, flaring his nostrils. Burn all of it. I want nothing that could link him back to those damn crows. And cut his hair. Make him at least look like a civilized man. And no sooner do those words leave his lips, there's a barrage of servants that pour into your room. They gather together your things, and even go so far as to take the clothes that you were holding. And they... Rip Isabel out of your hands. Hold on, it's very cursed. It's not a joke. I'll intimidate for that. Okay. Uh, or the, the, uh, 18. Okay. While you try to intimidate these people into not taking Isabel, it seems that your grandfather is far more terrifying to them. You see as Vlasic sort of eyes this ruckus warily from the hallway. You dart your eyes around looking for anyone who might be able to help you at this point. But he makes no move to lend you aid. And unfortunately for you, Tully is only able to offer you an apologetic glance, and her arms seem to be laden with some of your things. Damn it, Vlasic! Did anybody see you? And he marches over to your babysitter, or your bodyguard. You're not sure exactly what he is. And he shrugs somewhat nonchalantly. He's my temporary smoot. He's your temporary smoot, yeah. The Baron then turns his attention back towards you, and the rage in his eyes, palpable. Though, they begin to soften as he sees you in your vulnerable state. 
He sighs and holds up his hand and waves the servants out of the room. Look, take what you like, but if uh, that doll doesn't come back, I'm going to be quite ill in the morning. Physically, it is cursed. He shakes his head, almost ignoring what you're saying. He approaches towards your bed, pulls a blanket off of it, and offers it to you to cover up a little more. I will replace your wardrobe, but tell me, Finicus, who knows you're here? Uh, a short list. Some of, uh, some of which of note. There's my handful of compatriots that came with me up from Lamb's Respite. We stayed at House Grey for some time, and Damien Blackwater and his family. Immediate household. Damien Blackwater and his family? You never met his family. That's interesting. I thought I did. No. Benavir's scared. You met him only one. (laughs) That makes sense. Um, As you finish, you see that there is another flash of just anger in your grandfather's eyes, but he seems to maintain his composure as he straightens himself up, adjusts his suit a little bit, adjusts his cufflinks, turns towards the door, and as he walks out, Vlasic, make sure he does not leave his room. And the door is slammed shut. Meanwhile... Power walking through the city. Gotta get to a mansion and maybe a castle. As you begin making your way back towards the gate, you can actually see that there seems to be a large black wagon that is currently at the gate. And you can see that Desmond is there. He seems to be offering some instructions. And you are able to pass back through, showing your emblem. The guard again rolls his eyes, kind of mutters under his breath some sort of curse about the crows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When you when you fall, we'll pick your bones. You say. And you see as this wagon, which is accompanied by eight red guard. Is it going in or out? It seems to be ready to leave. I don't like that. But after you pass to the gate and you sort of take it this information, you hear an ominous tone that rings out across the red mountains which bounds down into the vale. And the citizens of Senai turn their gaze towards the castle as these streets, which were momentarily empty, which seemingly had been cleared for the passage of this wagon, they begin making their way back into the streets, and there's confusion which coats their faces, and heavy whispers join the tolling of the bells. There is a mass of voices which soon erupts in the distance, and the sound of galloping hooves echo against the pavement, approaching rapidly towards the gate, and the words that you hear Turn your blood cold. The king is dead! The king is dead! Balin has murdered the king! This lone rider cries, and a mass of panic, anger, and anguish fans out from the crowd. And you see as an angry mob sort of begins to form. And this rider, he seems to rush past all this crowd right up to the gate, right up to where the carriages and Desmond is currently, and this rider halts his steed a few paces away from his captain. Captain Desmond, sir, I was sent by Lieutenant Levi of the King's Guard. The King is dead, and your cousin has been implicated in his murder. He fled the scene when the guards arrived, 
and he narrows his eyes and scowls. What proof of you of this? It was witnessed by the king's own servant, sir. And you can see that Desmond shifts his helmet in his hands. You're relatively nearby, probably about 60 feet away. And you see as this strange expression crosses his face before his features are then masked by the silver plate of his helmet, which he puts on his head. And he barks out an order to the surrounding guards. Find the traitor. Find Valen Gray and bring him to me. I want him alive. Can I sense motive Desmond before sure. he puts his helmet on to uh, see what his facial sure. expression is? Of course, when I want to, well, it never happens. You have a device technically you can use as a media action if you want to. Oh my gosh, and get advantage on my next roll. That's a good point, and then never be able to use it again. No, we'll just take the nine and sense motive and cry. Okay, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I, can be, I, I have a get out of jail free card. I can do something hilariously stupid. I could do anything right now, as long as it's in six seconds. I want you to know, it doesn't reset for everyone. It's just oh, never your mind. turn. Never just mind. You. I was thinking so I could like run up and stab Desmond in the chest with a sword and then just like undo time. <laughs> you basically get Echo alt for like one turn. I was going to say, if he could do that, just another smooth Tuesday. Anyways, do what, does whatever he wants. What do you do? Panic rushes over Smoot as he thought he was being so clever and doing so well up until this point and that all the cards were finally coming into place. But with this wave of panic comes anger and frustration, but then it fades away to concern. And his only thought right now is he wants to make sure that Kelsey is safe because he knows that she was near Valen last that's a fair concern to have. So, Charles Indeed. Smoot will be on his same mission of going to the Grey's Manor, pushing his way through the crowds and threatening to cut anyone in half who stands in his way. You begin pushing through this mob, which seems to be on a blood hunt for Valen, or this person that murdered the king. You can feel the anguish these people are suffering from. They had such strong love for their king and such a hatred for somebody who killed him. And you continue pushing your way through this crowd until you feel a solid hand on your shoulder. And there's a familiar voice that seems to cut through the clamor. Where is Cece? There's no time for this. I have to check on Kelsey, but the Red Guard encampment just outside the gate. There should be a black wagon. I believe that John has kidnapped her and is taking her to the Red Kingdom. As you say this, you feel this cool air, this air from this fall weather suddenly become warmer, as suddenly as a furnace that blazes to life. And... In shock, many of the people stop what they're doing. They back away from where you are. And you turn and you see Amali standing there. His hair is as long as you remember it, maybe a bit, even a bit longer, but you can tell that he has dark circles under his eyes. But with your words, there seems to be a renewed energy in him, as well as a rage. And you feel a pressure you have never felt before and a fear you have never felt before. 
You swear that you see flames licking at his skin. And before you can say anything else, you no longer see him, but you hear what sounds like a boom. And he is no longer in front of you. But in the distance, you hear the crashing sound, almost like thunder. And people begin to scream and panic. Oh, I wish I could be there right now, but I have to make sure Kelsey is safe. Smoot will rush back to Grey Manor. You're pushing your way through, rushing, doing everything you can to make your way up. I want you to roll a perception check. 21 for Charles Smoot. Down a side alley, you swear you catch the glimpse of glowing blue markings. And you see as this green coat that you recognize sort of quickly passes through an alley. I follow after it. You, you begin breaking away from this crowd and you push your way into this alley, stumbling into it. It is completely clear here as people are storming their way up the main path towards the noble's platform and you chase after this shadow that you saw. Kelsey! Breaking out onto the side street, you see Cerulean, who is currently carrying what appears to be a body, barely able to stand himself, but Kelsey is at the front currently leading him. And this body seems to be covered. I'm so glad I found you. You rush over to them, and you see Kelsey. She appears to be surprisingly calm. Uh, we need to get out of the city, but I don't know a way to avoid the main gates. There's only one way out. Uh, well, thankfully, there should be a distraction. Right. I'm, I'm not talking about the mob. That's already a distraction enough. But yeah, we need to get out of here. And she looks back at the body that is currently draped over Cerulean. He is sort of buckling on his legs. He's doing his very best. The good boy. He's a good elk. You should give him lots of treats later. Good boy, Cerulean. Hang in there just a little longer. He's not doing very well, Mr. Smoot. Cerulean? No. She lifts the sheet up, and you see that Balin is currently unconscious, hanging all over the side of your elk. There seems to be a stream of blood sort of dripping down the side onto the ground. You'll have to fill me in later. We have to leave. Right. So Charles Smoot with Kelsey and Cerulean will attempt to push their way through the main gates. There is a large commotion going on, and you see there is fire everywhere. The front gate of the city is ablaze. And at the center of it all, you see a man with blazing red hair and glowing bronze skin. But in addition to this, you see a familiar man, John, sort of standing at a distance on top of the carriage. And he seems to draw back on his bow. The bishop is standing outside of his wagon. You recognize him based upon the description that you were given. He seems to be laughing maniacally. Meanwhile, the Raylundian guards are surrounding this man. And it seems that the front gate is currently not guarded the way that it needs to be. It seems that these guards are in dragon-level, like, 
destruction for them. So they're on all hands on deck right now. And you are able to pass through the gate, though you, as you do so, you hear a scream, a woman's scream that is very familiar to you. Do you look behind yourselves or do you just continue going out? Uh, yeah, I I would look behind. Do I need to roll a perception check? Yes. Okay. No, nine, Charles Smoot. You see a blazing inferno behind you, almost like a funnel just forms, and all of a sudden, it's gone. Kelsey, what was that? I don't know, but something bad's happened. But I don't think we can do anything. Not yet. Let's just get out of here. Regroup, and we'll have to figure out something. And as you quickly begin your path, down the main road, there are guards rushing past you. They're not paying you any attention. Instead, their eyes are lit with fear as they look at their city burning. But you hear in all the chaos and all the noise, we need to find the artifact. What do you mean by that? The artifact of the Red Crown. We have to find it. Do you know where it is? How how do you know what that is? And you just see as there's a faint smile on her face. And I think that is where we're going to end off this week's episode of The Gate Chronicles, because I'm a horrible person and I like cliffhangers. Uh, yeah. Well, Foundling, I hope you like cliffhangers too, because, yeah, don't don't be mad at me. I don't want to see any spam comments about how you want answers immediately. I, I, I don't, I don't know how to help you. I I do hope, though, that you continue to follow along with the podcast and you are ready for the next next episode because that's going to be coming out next next week. You know that that's normally how we do it. Big shout out and thank you to Michael Gelfie with Michael Gelfie Studios for allowing us to use a lot of music and ambiance in today's episode. Monument Studios, because we use them too. And Yvonne Dutch for letting us use music and ambiance in today's episode, because there's a lot of stuff that got used. There There was just a lot. So go ahead and check them out, guys. Go to their YouTube, subscribe to them because I use so much of their content in this podcast and it's a fantastic thing. Uh, we also do give a shout out to Will Savino. We're not using as much of his music, but we do recommend checking him out on his YouTube account. And uh, beyond that, if you want to support the podcast, there's a really great way to do so. And that's by going to our Patreon and donating to the podcast monthly or just giving it a one-time donation. That also kind of works, you know. Uh, that helps us financially with creating content for the future and uh, other things that we have planned. But if you're not able to do so, that's perfectly okay. You can always tell a friend about us and share us around the world. I don't know where you're listening to this, but if you're in Bangladesh, hi. I, I, I Bangladesh just sounds kind of cool. So, uh, yeah. Uh, also, if you ever want to get into contact with us, the best way to do so is going to our Discord. That link is in the description below. Go to the link tree thing, and there's like all of our stuff in there. Uh, you can go to our Discord. You can even email us at info at missingroleplayerfound.com if you want to just like send us an email. I, you know, we don't get many emails there. So if we get more, I'll check it more often. So send me stuff, okay? But beyond that, make sure you're following us on our social media accounts, Twitter and Instagram at RollFound. We do have a TikTok. We don't usually use it. I'm trying to do better. I'm sorry, guys. I'm in charge of all the social media. I don't know who put me in charge, but I get anxiety. And sometimes I'm just like, I I don't know what you want from me. So, yeah. Uh, Well, I really think that's about it. Oh, one thing I do want to say. 
Critical Hit Cookies. I have been ordering their cookies. We're not sponsored by them, but I did want to give them a shout out because they're amazing and I love them and I've been eating them for like breakfast every single day. Uh, They're fantastic. I really do recommend going and getting some of their cookies and supporting them because they are nice locally, not locally for us, but like they're in PA. Uh, They're a nice small business and we want to support them. So go ahead, go order some cookies from them and Critical Hit Cookies, if you're listening to this, thank you so much. They're delicious and you're probably going to get more orders from me in the future. All right, that's it for me, foundlings, and we will see you next, next week with another episode of The Gate Chronicles. Bye-bye. Bye, guys.